0: couple of days have, have been good for you. Hopefully you were able to get some rest and some restoration as we head into the new week. I know that for many people a Monday is a Monday is one of the harder days because it follows usually a day of spiritual uh, encouragement. Uh, it's like a high spiritually and then Monday usually comes around and it's, it's pretty rough and it's not just because it's jumping back into the flow of things. It's not just because it's, uh, you know, having it's the big, it's the first day of a long week, but I really think it's a lot of it has to do with, um, the spiritual side of things. Monday has a spiritual, Difficulty to it as well that I know uh, seems to be seems to be a, uh, a challenge. This morning we are looking, we're, we're getting into the story of hopeful's conversion. <clears throat> a Christian and hopeful, they have come to a point to where, that's a, they've come to a point that they were warned of by the shepherds. They, they had this point in their life where they met some shepherds, and the shepherds said, hey, watch out for these four different things. And one of the things they were told to watch out for was the, a place of enchanted ground where it was really conducive to sleep. They really wanted to just lay down and ha- take a nap. And fortunately, Christian is reminded, hey, I we can't do that. Um, do you remember the... the Shepherds warned us about this place. We need to keep ourselves moving, keep ourselves awake, and so they come up with this idea to share with each other where God began with them. they I love how they come about to it. They say, "So where do we begin? How do we start the conversation to keep us awake?" He's like, "Well, let's start where God began with us." And I thought, "Wow, how beautiful what a what a great segue into the testimony of hopeful." Uh, Also, before I get into this, I I do want to address a question or something that I've noticed in conversation as I discuss with um, different people what um, I'm being taught from the Pilgrim's Progress. And one of the things that I've heard on a consistent basis is, hey, be careful not to make the gospel too complicated, be careful not to overcomplicate the gospel. The gospel is a simple thing, and it's possible to make it more than what it isn't. And there, there is truth in that. Uh, but I also think that the reverse is true in that uh, we need to be careful that we make the gospel everything that it is. Make it everything that it is supposed to be and not make it just this one thing that is Kind of inconsequential in our life. It's something that happened. It's a point. It's a good point. It's a it's a good point in our life, but it doesn't define. Uh, it doesn't define us. And I think that's a, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous way, dangerous relationship with the gospel, is to just see it as, ah, oh, that that's just a one of the things that I enjoy in my life, in my Christian life. I, I think the gospel is worth us going back to daily and 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 even examining our own not not ever coming to the point to where to where we look at the gospel in our life and go oh that you know it's it's not that important because apparently there's a lot of people who get to the very end who were never in the first place a lot of people who say lord lord but we preached in your name and we did so many things in your name what what are, you, what are you talking about? He says, the part for me, I never knew you. And, the Bible says, in a few other places, to examine yourself, and to lay, to lay hold upon eternal life, and to work out your own salvation, and that there be many who strive to enter, but few there be, that actually go in, through the straight gate. And, and while I, and there's and this morning I was, I was I was listening to Mark I believe it was somewhere between eight chapters eight and ten there was a, a, a sages Saddu- uh, no a scribe he was listening to Christ speak and he's like God oh, this makes sense I know this is true what you're saying is true he's like so tell me what's the greatest command and as he listens to Christ's response something was going on he wasn't there but Christ at the end says. You're close. You're close, and I, and I think that is a way to define many people's relationship with the gospel, a, and a, and they might not be willing to do that, especially if not uh, that condition of not being saved, or being lost, or not having truly found the way. It has, it's it's. it's it is a shameful place to be, but it's even more shameful to find yourself in the presence of God at the end of uh, on Judgment Day, and not know. And Him not know you. It'd be better to hear, hear the truth, and maybe somebody tell you, "Hey, you're, you're really close. You're really close." And it's not that you're overcomplicating salvation. I don't. I don't think that's what Christ was doing. But he was basically saying, look, you've got so many thoughts in your head and your heart is so deceitful. I have to teach you all these different things and I have to make you make sure you understand. And as you begin to understand these things, you're close, but you're not there. And I think that's, a again, a condition we need to consider that we or others might be in. So with that, let's jump into... The story. So says then, Christ, then Christian began and said, "I will ask you a question. How came you to think at first of doing as you do now?" Excuse Do you mean how I came at first to look after the good of my soul?" Asked Hopeful. "Yes, that that is my meeting. Well, I continued a great while in the delight of those things which were seen and sold at our fair, things which I believe now would have had I continued in them still." Drowned me in perdition and destruction. The Christian says, What things were they? And Hopeful says, Well, they were all the tre- treasures and riches of the world. I delighted much in rioting, reveling, drinking, swearing, lying, un- uncleanness, Sabbath breaking, and what not that tended to destroy the soul. But I found at last by hearing and considering of things that are divine, which indeed I heard of you as also of beloved faithful that was put to death for his faith and good living and vanity fair, that the end of these things is death, and that for these things' sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. There's a few references that are made here, one namely being here in Romans 6, 6.21. Romans 6.21 begins, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We also have another reference to Ephesians 5, 6, I believe. Let me just make sure. Yeah, Ephesians 5, 6, where he says, For these things' sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. Christian says, "And did you presently fall under the power of this conviction?" Hopeful says, "No, I was not willingly presently. I was not willing presently to know the evil of sin, nor the damnation that follows upon the commission of it. But endeavoured, when my mind at first began to be shaken with the word, to shut my eyes against the light thereof." Yet Hopeful was a resident of this Vanity Fair when Hopeful, when Christian and Faithful first walked in. Christian says, but what was the cause of your carrying of it? Thus to the first workings of God's blessed spirit upon you. Hopeful says, well, the causes were first, I was ignorant that this was the work of God upon me. I never thought that by awakenings for sin, God at first begins the conversion of a sinner. Second, sin was yet very sweet to my flesh, and I was loth to leave it. Third, could not tell how to part with mine old companions, their presence, actions, <coughs> were so desirable unto me. And fourth, the hour, <coughs> excuse me. Fourth, the hours in which convictions came upon me were such troublesome and such a affright, heart affrighted hours that I could not bear, no, not so much as the remembrance of them, of them on, upon my heart. Wow, wow, look at that. What a concise way to put the struggles of so many. He says, we have a note here from the author. He says, here you see, as our Lord said, it is the spirit who quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing, according to John six sixty-three, The flesh, or our carnal nature, is so far from profiting in the work of conversion to Christ that it is at enmity against him and opposes the spirit work, spirit's work in showing us our want of him and bringing us to him man's nature and god's grace are two direct opposites nature opposes but grace subdues nature and brings it to submission and subjection are we truly convinced of sin And converted to Christ? This is a certain and sure evidence of it. We shall say from our hearts, not unto us, nor unto any yieldings and appliances of our nature, free will and power, but unto thy name, O Lord, be all the glory. For it is by thy free, sovereign, and efficacious grace, efficacious grace, we are what we are. Hence, see the ignorance, folly, and pride of those who exalt free will and nature's power, etc. Verily, they do not know themselves even in the slightest degree. Wow. Wow, some heavy words there. Man's nature and God's grace are two direct opposites. Are we truly convinced of sin and converted to Christ? This is a certain and sure evidence. We don't say, "Oh, this is this is something that I did." You know, here's here's what I did to to work this in my life. No, it is the Spirit who quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. It was nothing that I did, no free will of mine, nothing that I could do, no power of mine own, but his alone that br- brings me brought me and brings me to this point God forgive me my voice is uh, going out a little bit here then as it seems sometimes you got rid of your trouble said Christian hopeful says yes verily but it would come into my mind again and then I should be as bad nay worse than I was before well what was it that brought your sins to mind again well, many things. If I did but meet a good man in the streets, or if I heard any, anybody read in the Bible, if, I, if my head began to ache, or if I were told that some of my neighbors were sick, or if I heard the bell toll that some were dead, if I thought of dying, and if I heard that sudden death happened to others. But especially when I thought of myself, that I must come quickly, that I must quickly come to judgment. Anytime, this is so great, this is all, any, really almost anything was making me think about my sins, anything that had to do with Christ, a good person, a person who was uh, another Christian, hearing somebody die, those things made me wonder, oh no, my sin, if I thought of dying, if I heard of somebody else dying, heard somebody else was sick even, these things made me think of my sin. And could you at any time with ease get off the guilt of the sin when by any of these ways it came upon you? No, not I, for then they got faster hold of my conscience. And then if I did but think of going back to sin, though my mind was turned against it, it would be double torment to me. Well, how did, how did you then? How did you get up from the guilt of sin? Hopeful says, I thought I must endeavor to mend my life. Or else, thought I am sure to be damned, and did you endeavour to mend? Well, yes," said Hopeful, "and fled from not only my sins, but my sinful company too, and betook me to religious duties and prayer and reading, weeping for sin, speaking truth to my neighbours, etc. These things that I, with many others, too too much here to relate. And Did you think yourself well then? Yes, for a, for a while but at the last my trouble came tumbling upon me again and that over the neck of all my reformations well how came that about since you were now reformed well, there were several things that it brought that it brought upon me he said hopeful uh, especially such as sayings as these all righteousness are as filthy rags by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified when you have done all these things say we are unprofitable and many more such like all these different verses from whence I begin to reason with myself thus if all my righteousness is as filthy rags and if by the deeds of the law no man can be justified and if when we have done all we are also we are yet unprofitable then it is but folly to think of heaven by the law I thought further thus and If a man runs a hundred pounds into the shopkeeper's debt and after that shall pay for all that he shall fetch, yet if his old debt stands still in the book uncrossed, the the shopkeeper may sue him for it and cast him into the prison till he shall pay the debt. Well, how did you apply this to yourself, said Christian? He says, well, I thought thus with myself. I have by my sins run a great way into God's book and my now reforming will not pay off that score. Therefore, I should think still under all my present amendments, but how shall I be freed from that damnation that I have brought myself in danger of by my former transgressions? Christian says, well, that's a very good application, but pray, go on. Hopeful says, another thing that hath troubled me ever since my late late amendment is that if I look narrowly into the best of what I do now, I still see sin, new sin, mixing itself with the best that I do, so that now I am forced to conclude that notwithstanding my former fond conceits of myself and duties, I have committed sin enough in one duty to send me to hell, though my former life had been faultless. Wow. We have a note here from the author. He says, When the heavenly light of truth makes manifest what we are, and the danger we are in, then we cry to God to deliver us from the wrath to come and to direct us to Christ, the refuge set before us. Lead me in the way everlasting. It becomes our cry. Lead me in that way. What did you do then, says Christian? Opal says, well, Do? I could not tell what to do until I broke my mind to faithful, for he and I were well acquainted. He told me that unless I could obtain the righteousness of a man that had never sinned, neither mine own nor all the righteousness of the world could save me. Here's a note from the author. He says, here's the touchstone to try whether conviction and conversion... whether conviction and conversion are from the spirit of truth or not. Because apparently conviction and conversion can attempt to come by another way. So this is how you can tell. Many talk of conviction and conversion work, who are yet whole in heart and strong in confidence of a righteousness of their own, or being made righteous in themselves, instead of looking solely to entrusting trusting wholly in the infinite perfect and everlastingly glorious righteousness of the God-man Christ Jesus and desiring to be clothed in that and found in him. All conviction and conversion short of this leaves the soul short of Christ's righteousness, of hope, and of heaven. Any type of conviction or conversion work that doesn't cause you to completely lose all confidence in your own righteousness anything that leaves you your heart still whole he says this is not this is this is not the conviction and conversion that will bring you to Christ the conviction and conversion that brings you to Christ Will have zero. Will leave you with zero confidence in yourself. Christian says, "What? And did you think he's uh, that he spake truth?" Hopefully, says, "Had he told me so when I was pleased and satisfied with my own amendments, I had called him fool for his pains. But now, since I I see my own infirmity and the sin which cleaves to my best performance, I've been forced to be of his opinion." But did you think when at first he suggested it to you that there was such a man to be found of whom it might be justly be said that he had never committed sin? Well, I must confess, said Hopeful, the words at first sounded strangely. But after a little more talk and company with him, I had full conviction about it. Did you ask him what man this was and how you must be justified by him? Hopeful says, Yes he told me it was the lord jesus who dwelleth on the right hand of the most high and thus said he, you must be justified by him even by trusting to what he hath done by himself in the days of his flesh and suffered when he did hang on the tree i asked him further how that man's righteousness could be of such efficacy as to justify another before god he told me he was the mighty god and did what he did And died the death also not for himself but for me to whom his doings and the worthiness of them should be imputed if I believed on him i I'm gonna have to stop here because my voice is completely going out I want to keep I want to continue but I'm also running up on my uh, my time here as well feel free to read ahead (laughs) I know I might do that as well but wow hope at this point either you are identifying with hopeful here or maybe uh, you look at his story and you see yourself in it at some point and you're hope you're curious to see the end and see, see how he comes out of this. On that note, I hope you all have a great day. And will, Lord willing, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining the broadcast, podcast, whatever I call it. All right, bye. God bless.